This is Professional Builder Secrets, the number one podcast to help you grow your building company safely and securely. Brought to you by the Association of Professional Builders. Join us every week as we talk to industry experts and your fellow professional builders on everything you need to know to generate more leads, more sales, and higher margins while improving the building experience for your clients. Hello and welcome to the Professional Builders Secrets podcast, a podcast by the Association of Professional Builders for building company owners, general managers, VPs, and emerging leaders. Here we discuss all things running a professional building company from sales processes, financials, operations, and marketing. We have another exciting episode from the Professional Builders Secrets podcast. I'm joined today by co-founders, Toby and Elizabeth Zero from High Water Homes. Thanks for being here today, guys. Hello, Bosco. Great to be here, mate. Thanks for having us, Bosco. We're excited to have a chat with you tonight. Tell me a little bit about High Water Homes. Yeah, High Water Homes, we are a boutique custom home building specialist and we're situated in a little town called Camden, which is about 45 minutes southwest of Sydney. We employ 11 staff within our team. That includes Toby and myself. And we've been operating for 10 years. We celebrated our 10-year anniversary September last year. Yeah, that's just a little bit bit of information about high water. Wasn't much of a celebration though with COVID. We wanted to celebrate, but I think that's on hold, isn't it, honey? We're uh, planning on something this year, hopefully. Any any exciting big plans when when everybody can actually celebrate again? Do you guys have any ideas of what you guys want to do? Yeah, we were thinking of maybe going on Sydney Harbour with our team and our our trades and contractors. We currently just experienced um, the floods here in Camden and I'm sure other um, builders around around the state in Queensland have experienced the the massive rainfall that we've had recently. So, yeah, hopefully the weather will settle down and we'll be able to look forward to some sort of celebration later in the year. Well, if you can allow me, let's take a walk down memory lane. Let's go back in time. And let's start off with how you got started in this industry and what made you choose this amazing journey. For me, Bosco, it all happened in the early 90s. Leaving school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up going to university and found that that wasn't quite for me. So I came home one day after six months of uni and just came home to dad and said, look, this is not for me, so I'm going to take a break and just uh, work out what I want to do next year. And he said, well, what are you going to do for the rest of the year? I said, well, pretty much without using the same words, it was just stay at home and bludge off you. And uh, he wasn't going to take a bar of that. So dad got me in contact with a few colleagues of his, or not colleagues, but he was uh, a businessman in Camden. So he knew some people and one thing led to another and I contacted a builder that he was associated with and I laboured for him for six months and then I actually went back to university after that first six months of labouring because I thought I'd give it a go, a second go. So I've sort of, I tell people I've got two uni degrees. I didn't finish them, but I did start them. So I just found it wasn't for me to study. So I actually went back after six months, the second time around at uni, I actually went back and started my trade with the builder and then I got my carpentry apprenticeship out of the way. And then worked for myself as a carpenter, worked on the Olympic side in Sydney in, in 1999 before the wow. 2000 Olympics and eventually found my way into supervising for some or for one small local builder for about six or seven years just to gain experience. And then from there in two, uh, 2011, we sort of start, or the seed was planted in about 2008. It took a little bit of time for us to get started, but by uh, 2011, we had uh, Highwater Homes up and running the first year of trading, 2011. So, and then the rest, as they say, is history. 
I'm just curious what it was like starting out. And also tell me about your experience with the Olympics as well. That must have been a pretty milestone moment. Yeah, the Olympics was was fun. That was, that was the first job out of my apprenticeship, and I joined up with a with another friend of mine and travelled into Homebush. We we stayed in a factory just outside the Olympic Park and built the portable buildings that the Australian athletes stayed in, and then we built them offsite and then travelled to site, I guess, to install these portable buildings. So it was a bit different to what I'd normally done, but it was the same principle behind, you know, I guess, carpentry and, and building, I guess, little homes, you know, on a smaller scale. Quite interesting and really good, very busy, great to be a part of it. Such a, a one-off event. I know they'll come back again one one day, but it was really, really, really good experience, especially um, you know, first year out of my uh, my apprenticeship. But, yeah, starting out as a carpenter was, was fun. And um, eventually in 2011, you know, starting Highwater Homes as a building company was, uh, wasn't challenging as such. I was actually really excited to start out. It was, it was something I, I thought about for a while. I can be an overthinker in a lot of things and that's why it took a little bit longer to start but I wanted to be sure that I was ready to start the journey and, and build for myself I, I did want to do it ever since I I guess ever since 2000 when I finished my apprenticeship the goal was to get the builder's license and, and start building for myself but I knew it wasn't going to happen overnight so it was fun I, I really enjoyed starting out because I, I really did plan for it before 2011 and yeah took the, the small steps to get to where we are today. So at what point did you discover that you had landed on a value proposition for high water homes? At what point did you both realize that this was not just a calling, but this was you know a business opportunity that could grow as well over time? So in terms of a value proposition, we sort of set ourselves apart from the other builders. Camden's a small place, but there's a lot of builders within the market and there's a lot of new building happening within our local area. Toby has always said that builders, you know, they know how to build homes, but some of them do lack that service quality and that communication that they can offer clients. So one of our value propositions that we offer our clients is our communication. We make a promise to our clients that any messages or emails or that sort of thing are replied to within 24 hours. We have a 24-hour response time and they, they really value that. They appreciate that we do that for them. We use a project management system, an online system for our clients. And again, a lot of builders do use this sort of system, but we get our clients involved in the system. So logged into the system right from the beginning. So right from our initial estimate proposals, so they can see how well this system works and right through to the building and the handover of um, the, the home to our clients. So that's something I think that sets us apart from other builders Although they, you know, other builders may have these online project management systems, they don't involve the clients in those as much as what they could. So we saw that as an opportunity and jumped on it. And our clients, they thoroughly enjoy being a part of that and using the online system. So they can keep track of what's going on with their home. They communicate with us. And it's, it's an excellent system. It sounds like it's a pretty collaborative process as well, where the clients are part of that as well. What do you feel homeowners, especially the ones that are looking to start building their their first home or their new home as well, what should they be aware of in today's climate and conditions as well? I mean, it, it devolves over the years, Bosco. Like when we first started out, as Elizabeth uh, was saying before, and just to elaborate that on, on, on that a bit further, sorry, is like we focus on the builders, on the, on the experience, sorry. So not just building the home, but the experience of building the home. 
And that's what we found when we first came into the market, that uh, our clients weren't getting that. So we really do focus on the experience that the clients go through while they're building a home for six, nine months, sometimes 12 months, depending on the on the size of the project. So that's what we we, that we focused on that originally, and, and we still do, but that's one of our strong points. Um, so you know, homeowners need to be aware that it's not just you're not just buying a car where you go and you, know, you sign up for a car and then you know, drive out a week or two later, and that's the experience done and dusted. It is a longer experience in the building game, and that's what homeowners need to be aware of. And I think they are now. What I think they, like now in 2022, I guess they need to be aware. I guess of, of setting realistic expectations. Um, and that really is a matter of just the access they have to all the information online and uh, through friends and family and, and other colleagues that have built before. So I, I really try and set, I mean, we have high expectations. I think most builders do when they're building high quality products and delivering a service that you know, clients uh, enjoy going through. So I think you know, I think clients just need to be aware that expectations don't don't base it off reality TV shows. Don't base it off you know, what other people may have gone through or what they expect to go through. So timelines might be a bit different. You know, quality needs to be found by the builder, not so much them. A lot of homeowners think they just see something online; it must be good. But they've got to trust. They've got to trust the builder. They're, they're trusting us as the experts. So clients just need to let go, and it is hard to let go and let go of that control but they've got to trust in the builder they choose to build their home and uh, and set those realistic expectations um, from the start but it's also up to the builder to manage those expectations and let them know how the process will, will pan out and i'm hoping that with the you know collaborative tools that you talked about in the systems that does establish some trust because they're part of that process and they see that journey as well uh, going through yeah. the technology side of things Talk to me a little bit about transformation. Obviously, you have changed the business from when you first started. It, you know, it's changed and grown. What does that look like today? And if you look back, what was that pivotal point that you realized you were transforming the business? You know, when we first started the business, we were operating from home. So we've got a study at the front of the house, and that was where all the operations and housekeeping and that sort of thing would happen. So all the planning would happen from our, our little study. We'd sometimes also meet clients um, in our study and even in our, our our house, our living room. So we got to a point where we realised we had to divide work and home. So that was really important. Back then, it was just really Toby doing a lot of the work. I was doing some of the accounts and that sort of thing while I also worked part-time as a teacher. And I guess as we've transformed, we realised we, we needed to move the business out of home. So about, I think it was about four years ago, we made the big step into our own factory space in um, Smeaton Grange, which is just about a 10-minute drive from home, just outside of Camden. So that was a very positive move for us, being able to actually get in the car and drive to work each day. And I guess transformation also in terms of our team. So just the one-man show of Toby working within the business. Uh, We've now got a team of 11. So that's been a really big transformation as well. And I guess there's a lot of lessons that come with managing other people now and and not having that home-based business as well. What was that like for the two of you, you know, going from a home-based sort of environment to this office environment? Did it change the dynamic at all between the two of you or was it sort of the same? Yeah, I think it was a great move moving out of home. For me, especially Bosco, I just found the separation between work and, and family life was needed. And it was too easy just to you know, leave the study, you know, go to the dinner table, eat dinner, and then return to the study to reply to an email or, or do something with the plan. So I think it was important. The timing was right. It might have been you know, even a year or two too late. 
but I'm not too late, but, you know, it's longer than what we would have wanted. But for me, it was good. And I'm sure Elizabeth thinks the same where we, we actually leave home to go to work. And that sounds silly, but that's that's very important in our lives with, you know, with three children that we've got. It was very convenient, uh, you know, 10 or so years ago when the kids were younger because they'd you know, get off the bus just down the road and walk home and we were there or we could walk down and pick them up and, and, and do what we needed to do with them. So in my life, uh, in my life, sorry, Elizabeth may disagree, but it's been, it's been you know, better for us uh, moving out of home. Yeah, so we can, we can have that work family life separation. And Elizabeth, tell us your version of the story now. <laughs> yeah, this, 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 this could be no, different. No, I, I do agree. Within the study where we were working, we we're actually sitting a metre away from each other and working sort of eight to ten hours a day opposite each other. Sometimes we wouldn't even say a word to each other throughout the whole day, even though we're you know, that close. So now we actually have our own offices, which is, I think, a good move. So we actually have a, a dividing wall between us, which is even better. So it just helps us to... I guess, define our roles as well. Um, you know, although we are husband and wife and we also work together five days a week, it's it's important to have some separation. So, yeah, it was a very positive move. Just so you know, Bosco, that wall that's in place in our office now, that wasn't there originally. Elizabeth refused to come and work from the office <laughs> unless that wall was in place to separate me from her. So <laughs> I didn't know how to take that when she told me the wall must go in, but uh, it's there and it, it works well. Uh, I think you just have to take it as a compliment at this point, right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to. Tell me a little bit about the Association of Professional Builders. Obviously, you're one of the distinguished members and part of the coaching program, but how did how did your relationship with the group start off with the Association of Professional Builders? I'm not sure of the year. I guess uh, Russ would remember the year, but it might have been 2013 or 2014, but we got involved with CoConstruct, which is our online management system. And Russ and the guys at APB would, I guess, distribute CoConstruct within within Australia. So that's how, how the, I guess, they reached out to us and just receiving some emails and, and, uh, and information from Russ. And obviously, I'm a very curious guy and I wanted to improve the business or, or see where we could improve and uh, just made sense to look further into it. So we joined them, I think it was in 2014. And yeah, they had some sales training programs that we enrolled. I think it was a 12-month program we enrolled into. And it was just the information that they uh, gave us. And obviously, it was a lot different for us back then, especially for me. Like I, th- I think I've heard a lot of podcasts you've done with the APB recently, Bosco, and a lot of people, you know, we're, we're good tradesmen. Like a lot of the blokes out there are good tradesmen, but we're not you know, as good a business people as we can be, especially when we start out. But what the APB do is they they turn us into business people. They won't tell us how to how to build a home and how to do the you know, the chip rocking and the painting and the plumbing. You know, that's up to us to do. We're, we've got to you know, be the experts at that through all of our training or our previous training. But they they focus on the business and they focus on building businesses only. There are a lot of other coaching companies out there that will you know be a general coaching firm and they'll just you know take any old business on and, and give them. I guess our advice. I've never had any other. I guess any. I've never had any other organisations that I've been a part of. So I hold the APB in very high esteem. They what they've done for us is amazing. What they've done for a lot of businesses is amazing. Just through teaching us business principles, I guess directly related to building companies, they've had a massive impact on our business from when we first started to where we are now. I love this story because every time I talk to all these different builders from anywhere around the world, being in this business can be pretty isolating. And, you, you know, you don't have a lot of people to talk to. You don't have a great sounding board or, you know, it's you're, you're operating, like you said, Elizabeth, some days where you're not talking to each other for a long period of time. So the one thing I observed from a lot of the builders I talked to is the fact that they feel a little bit closer, connected, and also they just love having that sounding board in the coaching program as well. 
Yeah, that's correct. And they have a, a great Facebook page where all the members are a part of. And if you feel like you've got a question that you're just not quite sure of the answer, everyone goes on there, asks the question, gets some great responses from a lot of the team members, a lot of the builders. So that's a really good support mechanism and being part of the APB. Yeah, when I first got on as the host for the for the podcast, I actually did some research and I was like, Russ, take me to where the builders hang out. And I actually jumped on the Facebook group and I love how collaborative everyone mm. is. And no matter whether you're in the US or in Canada or New Zealand, everyone's got, you know, some some great ideas. And it's a great, it's a great validation tool as well when you're in the industry yeah. as well. What do you love so much about running a building company today? What did you love through this entire journey so far? It's obviously a lot of hard work goes into you know running any company, let alone a building company. But yeah, I, I love having my own company, obviously, for the, the freedom that it, it has or the potential freedom it has to give us. We're not there yet, but the idea is that we, yeah, we're striving towards that goal. But it's just great to, to work with clients. I think uh, working with clients and taking them on the journey and we go on the journey with them, obviously, and meeting new clients is a great thing for the first time. And then even when you go towards the end of the project, just doing the handovers with them and just seeing the smile on their face, knowing that we um, that we took them through. We, we built them a nice home, but we also took them through a nice little journey with us to get them from A to B, sometimes over 12, 18 months or even longer. So I enjoy, I guess, the interaction with the clients when things work out really well for them from the start because they are very nervous. Most clients are nervous from the start. They sort of don't know what to expect or if they do know what to expect, it's been a bad experience from a previous build. So just oh, I enjoy that part of it, you know, taking them on the journey. And you talked a little bit about where your company is today. I think you mentioned a little bit about 11 employees. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. What's the future look like? Where is Highwater Homes moving forward now? We don't really want to grow the business exponentially, Bosco. I think where it is now is, is manageable. So the idea now is to yeah, get the processes in place and get the right people in place to, you know, to keep the business uh, growing slowly but, but safely without going overboard with the company. But Obviously, the homes, as, as we've we built more homes over the years, they are becoming, our homes are becoming bigger, becoming you know, higher quality from when we started out. So I guess the focus will you know, remain on quality of the homes they're building you know, and just managing, I guess, the client's expectations and doing that in a safe way where Elizabeth and I can one day enjoy some freedom. Speaking of freedom, what are some of the challenges that come with the growth? Obviously, every builder will talk about what they love and what worked out and where they are. But let's rip the bandit off and you know talk to me about the challenges because I think for our listeners out there, they connect to the challenges and they connect to the adversities that people have to go through to get to where they are today. If you look back, what are some of those memorable challenges that you can smile about today, but at the time was probably very challenging? If, if, if I think about it from, from when I started, I guess the idea of delegating Bosco, was, I found it hard. I still do, mind you. I, I don't want to say I've conquered that fear, but Delegating roles to different people as, as the business has grown over the years, I've got to sort of get the right people involved to take the business to where it needs to go. So that's a challenge. It's an ongoing challenge of getting better at, at, at releasing the jobs that I do. So I've got, other, I've got 11 staff or nine other staff. So obviously, I have to give away some of the hats that I used to wear from when we first started. So that, that's definitely a challenge. And that, and the people, even you know, working with people and, and employing the right people is a challenge as the company grows. So I've got a friend of mine who often talks about processes and people. And if you've got those two things in place, then you know, you've got the good foundations of a, of a strong business. So 
obviously the APB are great. They're, they're teaching us a lot of processes that need to be in place. A lot of work goes into that. But I guess on, on the second point of, of getting the right people involved as well, which is, it can be a challenge uh, sometimes. And I guess when you do find the right people, you've got to try and hang on to them because you know, sometimes you get the right people and they, they want to fly the nest, I suppose, and, and start their own businesses, which is, you, know, you can't be grudged than that. But when you've got to replace them, that becomes a challenge as well. Let's talk a little bit about the future outlook in my preparation for this interview as well. I, I noticed that, you know, there's a lot of talk about sustainability in the building process. I'm just curious to know where your thoughts are around sustainability and what does that mean to you? It is very important, I believe. I, I think Australia, when you talk about sustainability, is probably a bit behind the eight ball from a lot of countries, other countries around the world. But I think what we find in Australia is, is, I guess, cost restrictions around sustainability and clients who want to do it and we want to promote it, but they're inhibited by the additional costs in there. But unfortunately, what they don't understand is their short-term costs as part of the building costs, I suppose, but the long-term benefits far outweigh you know, the short-term costs of, of building sustainable homes. So we haven't promoted it as much as what we'd like. Um, we've looked into it in the last two or three years and it's, it's one of our longer-term goals to sort of get involved with uh, you know, more sustainable homes and promoting the benefits to the clients and just getting involved that way. What do you think are the common struggles for builders in the industry today, especially with what you're noticing in your neck of the woods? I think in particular in today's market is the, the spiralling cost to build homes that the increase in cost has been from a number of factors, particularly COVID. It's been a, a big one. There's lots of building going on at the moment. So supply of contractors is quite limited. Toby can probably verify in terms of the um, percentage of how much it costs now to, to build a new home. But we're getting price increases from our suppliers and our trades um, almost weekly from different suppliers. So we need to factor that in because we offer fixed price contracts to our clients. And sometimes before we sign a contract, it might be three or four months when we're actually doing the the estimating and the pricing of the home. We need to factor in these costs that are coming across the desk each day. I'm sure that keeps you up at night too when you're you're guaranteeing a, a fixed price point and then all of a sudden, you know, things start to change very quickly over time too. Yeah, it's not, not the best situation at the moment, Bosco, over the last 12 months with uh, price increases from suppliers and trades. And it becomes tricky. But I guess going back to the APB, they, they've taught us a lot about financial figures and, and number and the important numbers. And without that knowledge that we have now, we probably wouldn't be in operation. You know, knowing your figures and knowing what the correct, I guess, margins are to apply to each job. Even though yeah, it's been a struggle the last six to nine months with, with price increases and uh, yeah, obviously us signing fixed price contracts, we've got to wear, yeah, wear the brunt of a lot of the, uh, lot of the increases, which a lot of builders have. Uh, there are some clauses or some ways around it, but you know, we haven't managed to do that as well as what we could have, but I guess our hands are tied contractually with that as well. So yeah, it's definitely a, a struggle going through that. But, but the idea is that we'll come out the other end. Uh, without the APB's help over the years, we might have been one of those builders that won't come out the other end, but we know we will. We're confident we will come out the other end and uh, potentially there'll be a lot less, not a lot, but you know, less builders in the market in, say, 12 months' time. What advice would you give the builders out there, both new and old, and what does success look like today? Advice to other builders, I guess the old ones, the older ones, don't like advice, but the younger one, the, actually, sorry, the younger ones don't either these days. Coming up with young kids, none of them like advice, do they? So 
but the advice would be to take advice. Like we we learned so much by joining a company like the APB. So the more that builders are willing to improve themselves, the better it is for the industry. And I've always had a saying, and Elizabeth has heard me say this a thousand times, and Russ and, and the guys at the APB have as well. But they talk about a race to the yeah, previously been a race to the bottom. Don't let it be a race to the bottom. Let it be a race to the top. And it makes perfect sense. So it means that builders have to help each other. So don't don't close off any knowledge that you have just because, you know, to your competitors, if they're doing well and they're, they're quoting at the right margins and offering uh, a good experience and they are they may remain a competitor, but at least the expectations will be there from clients. So the advice, I guess, would be to you know, open yourself up to advice, but also you know, open yourself up to give advice to fellow builders as well. And Elizabeth, what's your measurement for success other than having a wall in between your office and Toby? <laughs> I think happiness is important. So when, you know, Toby and I are happy at the end of the day, it's been a successful day because building homes for clients can be such a challenge at times and it's so many things to, I guess, you know, can come in, in the way. So, yeah, happiness. And I think also looking forward to more time out of the office that's not, you know, an ideal of success, I think, both for Toby and I. Yeah, having time out of the office and feeling confident to have time away from the office is, yeah, I, our idea of success. We often enjoy Bosco just a day away. Like often we'll just surprise each other you know, randomly and just you know, either go to the movies or go for morning tea or go for lunch just randomly without it being planned. And that, that's, I don't want to say that makes us happy, but that adds a bit of variety to our, you know, the weekly grind. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's nice to be able to do that. Not a definition of success, but at least it's a stepping stone towards, you know, enjoying, I guess, a work-life balance. Yeah, I think spontaneity is, a, is the key to, to happiness sometimes as well. I've got a, a young British bulldog that reminds me about being present and uh, not mm. overworking myself as well. So I'm constantly reminded about that too. But I, I totally agree with you. I think at the end of the day, you've got to find those moments. You've got to find your happiness, those moments of happiness, right? Mm. Um, yeah, correct. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys, where do you think the construction industry is going and evolving, especially in Australia? What's your perspective of it? Yeah, we went to a conference uh, last week with the HIA, which is one of our organisations, and they sort of have a, have a forecasted vision for the next you know, two to three years. And they still think it's going to be okay. Like At the moment, I don't like using the word you know, building boom, but that, I guess that's what we're in at the moment. A lot of people call it a profitless boom which is a scary term, but I, but I think the industry needs to just, you know, take care of itself and, and take a breath and just allow itself some time to, you know, find its feet again. I think uh, with COVID, we sort of fought through the doom and gloom with COVID quite well as a building industry. Then with all the grants that came in from the government, it actually went too far the other way, whether this is the right word, but it's too busy at the moment and it's not sustainable. From that point of view, it's, uh, it can't last forever and, and it won't. But unfortunately, the fear is that from from this boom we're having now, it could be a bust. And uh, we like to think it won't be won't be that. Uh, I think the the successful building companies will ensure you know they won't go from boom to bust, and they'll just hopefully get something get down to something more manageable. So, I see the building industry sort of just uh, flattening out over the next few years. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's just it can't keep going on this. It's just not it's not right. People won't last in the industry, especially younger builders. I feel for the younger builders if they're coming through now and thinking, oh, wow, how good is this? And then maybe in six months' time or 12 months' time, it's, it's bang, it's going to be a lot different. And they'll either, you know, it'll either wear them out or it'll spit them out the other end and you know, won't, care, you know, won't care for you know, where they land. It'll just be, uh, get, gets to be too hard. So I hope it just settles down to something a bit more manageable in the next few years. 
Well, I could chat with you guys for hours, but I, I think it's been a very insightful interview and we'd love to have you back again. But I do have one final question for both of you. And, and you know, I think both of you have given me an insight of where you are today and what you're focusing on, what the future looks like. So I'm going to go back to the past and I'm going to ask both of you to go back in time. What advice would you give a younger version of yourself? And I'd start with Elizabeth, looking back at your illustrious career as well. What advice would you give yourself? And Toby, that question will go to you too. Yeah, I think having more confidence in myself and my ability. I'm a a trained teacher, so I I didn't have a vision of working in a building company when I started teaching or even when we sort of had our kids. Something I sort of just fell into and learnt the ropes and found my way. So I think a younger version of myself, have confidence to step outside of my comfort zone and be open to new ideas. That's something Toby is always telling me. Be open to new ideas. It's, you know, it's okay if things don't work out, but at least you give them a go. So I think that would be my advice to my younger self. And Toby? In a very brief statement, Bosco, I'd probably say perfection is not achievable. So don't go to bed or don't, don't wake up each day thinking you're, gonna, you know, you're chasing perfection. It's never going to come. So you know, put that to bed and, uh, and maybe set the bar, not set the bar lower, but just uh, have those expectations where you'll still do everything as to the best of your ability. You know, perfection is not there to be sought after. So I think that it'll take away not a lot of the stress, but obviously when you're setting the goals, you still want the goals to be high, but you've got to, you've got to make sure they're realistic as well. Yeah, and I guess look out, for, look out for everyone else in your life and take advice as early as you can to learn the proper process and take everything on board. Well, I really appreciate uh, both of you making the time to try something new with me as well and jo- joining us today. We'd love to have you back again. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot, Bosco. Thanks for your time, Bosco. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to Professional Builder Secrets on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review. To learn more about how the systems at the Association of Professional Builders can help you grow your building company, visit associationofprofessionalbuilders.com. See you next time.